0: And I find the moments I have tried to be too controlling or the moments I've watched other teachers do it, you get in the way. You gotta just make a space for them to for once have some safety, for once ask them, what are you thinking right now? And then give them the time to respond on their own terms. I've learned more about being a human being in that job than I ever have, you know.
1: That was poet, drummer, and teacher K.R. Morrison. I'm Jeff, and this is Storied San Francisco. Every week on this podcast, you'll hear from teachers, bartenders, photographers, and other San Franciscans, telling stories and responding to the question, what is it about this place? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 4, Part 2. In this podcast, K.R. shares what being a teacher means to her. She talks about the changes she's seeing in San Francisco reflected in the students in her classes. And lastly, she describes how teaching kids to write gives them confidence that they can apply to other aspects of their lives. Here's K.R.
0: So I did the math, I've taught over 2,000 kids in this city, which just trips me out. Oh, I did the math.
1: a medium-sized town. It
0: is. And I, I go a place, and now it's starting to... Ha- I'm 14 years in. I had a writing sabbatical last year for my writing stuff. So this is technically my 14th year at Galileo High School. Oh. And, uh, and, like, I run into them everywhere. So, like, for example, I was at Target trying to return a humidifier I've never used because I needed an inflatable mattress for guests coming and they wouldn't let me I said I don't want money back. I just want to get credit so I can buy this mattress. And the girl was like real job pride on me, you know, she's like, I'm sorry, you need to spend it on the same section. Like, well if I was gonna spend it on the same section I wouldn't need to I wouldn't need to return the humidifier. You know? And I found myself acting like my dad, which my dad's kind of like a functioning sociopath, you know? He's a very like take Jack Nicholson but add, like, major frugal sense and uh, a heart bigger than... Sarah. I mean, he's just... He's an anomaly, my dad, but I'm sitting there, like, trying to explain to her, like, that doesn't make any sense. I don't need a humidifier. Suddenly I hear, Mama Mo, And I look over, and it's Arthur Pan. Motherfucking Arthur Pan. And this kid, I had him three years and i thought he hated me i mean he he'd sit in class and he'd just glare at me i and i i'm very um i get kids to speak i'm not direct instruction i like them to be in groups i like them to talk whatever and i think that's why i thought he didn't like me because i he the kid wouldn't speak up and i could tell he'd struggled with like being shy and other issues He ends up coming back a year after graduation and gives me this ceramic book he made in first year of college with a grenade on one side, and then on the other side, um, libraries have liberated the world more than any war in world history, and he writes on the back this thing, like, thank you so much, like, you got, and I just, and I'm like, and I'm looking at, him, I'm flabbergasted and I start to cry because since these kids, I cry all the time, and and I'm like, so this was like, about a year after he graduated. Now it's Target. This is about five years, and he's running the joint. He's running Target. He's head manager. Mama Mo, Arthur Pan, and I'm like, she won't let me buy my inflatable mattress. She's making me uh, buy in the humidifier section. And Arthur Pan looks at her, and he's like, you give her whatever she wants. Even if it's money, whatever she wants. you." And she's just like, and she is hot. Man, she's hot. And I looked at her like, boom. These are one of my kids. This type of stuff happens to me in this town all the time. I run into these kids. Well, I think that's what I love about doing that job the most and why I'll never quit is you're a messenger just like they are, you know, and you don't get to decide when you help them and don't and I find the moments I have tried to be too controlling or the moments I have watched other teachers do it you get in the way you gotta just make a space for them to for once have some safety for once ask them what are you thinking right now and then give them the time to respond on their own terms I've learned more about being a human being in that job than I ever have you know they've brought a lot of meaning to my life and then Juggling them with, like, like the year I, last year I took that I took a year off teaching. And I was really afraid I wouldn't want to go back. I thought, oh shit, I'm gonna dive into this full-time artist thing and I'm done. I'll tap out. You know, nothing. I I missed it so much. Nothing could have been farther from the truth. Like for me, the art of teaching writing, and then the art of writing for me, they like inform each other. And I took one out and I almost lost my mind. I mean, like I had to come up with like regiments, you know, like wake up at this time, like do this, do this, because your life doesn't just belong to you. Like I'm a village girl through and through. Like the minute it's all about you, people like me, I'm fucked if I, I can't do that. I have to, I have to look after others and I need to be looked after and they look after me too. My sister straight up has said to me, so other people have too, I've never seen you get your shit together like you have for those kids, you know? Cause I was, I'm pretty gypsy, you know? I can, I can roll, I can get on the road with a backpack and buh-bye, like, you know? So it's been nice to have them to ground me. I'm bummed, man, like the same way the city's changing, these schools are like a microcosm for what's going on in the city and these kids, like my African American boys um, when I first got hired there, that place was rough, in a good way uh, and then I hear the old, old days and they were like, oh Hatchet high, like it, it was crazy and murderous and there were riots, like there's this warriors image that's painted like, but when I was there, like we served the communities of the city and they're going away and even at the school and it's like breaking my heart and you know i keep getting off job offers at places i won't mention that are like everywhere my kids can't go they end up going to these places um like private schools no or? Uh, other public schools in the city that are really fighting to keep these kids in good hands um it's been hard this year to, like, look at the school and be like... Like, I have I have um, three African-American boys this year. And these are, like... Uh, depending on teachers' teaching style, there's different kids that you work well with. And that's... It's a cultural thing. And I grew up around noise. I grew up around shouting out your answers. Like, put throw me into a Baptist church. I fit in... Perfectly, you know, so these are my babies, and they're not they're not um, making it at at these schools
1: What's going on?
0: Basically the schools are doing exactly what everybody else is doing trying to keep their nose above water with cuts and everything going on and a lot of these kids are the hardest to teach because they come from the hardest environments and it's easier to push them out, and then have other kids come in that bring up APR scores. And it's a bummer. And then there's teach the. I'm really proud of the staff I work. There's a lot of great educators there, like really good teachers. Um, but what I see on a district administrative end, it's just it's doing what the rest of the city is doing. It's surviving by assimilating to these changes. In my, it's what I'm seeing we're losing these kids and i it, and then i mean and this maybe has nothing this actually doesn't maybe it has nothing to do with the district or the administration the city itself is losing these kids they, they're moving out so it sucks and it makes me feel um like everybody's failing you know in uh, in my in my line of work it makes me feel that way you know I've been writing since I was a kid, you know. Um, After my mom died, I decided to submit things because she was always on me to submit. She was one of the few people that actually read stuff that I wrote. And um, basically, on her deathbed, it was actually a month before she died, she said to me, like, when are you going to get your shit together and actually share this with people? And I said to her what I said to myself and everybody, like, well, that's not why I write it, Mom. And and she she was always really good at seeing me. And she she basically called bullshit, you know, and said that she was uh, she was an unusual woman and very vulgar. But I hate that word. I don't think she was vulgar. I think she was a pirate. And she
1: spoke her mind. She
0: spoke her mind exactly with the and, language she had. And no, one, all there was, it is. there was no one more elegant than her despite her verbiage. In fact, for me, it made her more elegant, you know. But she's the reason. And the first thing I submitted, I actually got published. And um, that's, I think, um, it was her gift. I think it's unusual, and not because I'm so good. It was because it was her way of saying, see, like, now...
1: You so know. how how old were you when you were first published, and what and what did you yeah. get published?
0: The first thing I published was a shitty philosophy article in college that I won't even look at it. <laughs> I'm so bad, uh, and that so that means I was what one? Twenty yeah twenty one, twenty two. Uh, first poem I got published was not until the year so 2015. Um, I've been. Ru- First poem I ever wrote, I was 12. Um, I've been writing a long time. But only now did I really, like, dive in. So, back to what you said. I Only recently. I have some writer friends in my ear. William's one of them. That are like, no, you're a poet. You're a writer. Like, you know. I think, I think all poets are writers. But not all writers are poets. Right. You know, I think um, I have a big... Fat dream to write a memoir after this. I'm scared shitless because it's gonna take me a long time, and it's a whole nother thing. And I'm still riding this poetry wave, and still learning things. And all of writing is like the writing process itself reflects what you go through as a writer. You're always under revision.
1: I was just gonna say, I think like all art. Like, all artists face that issue of, when do you call it finished?
0: Fucking Pandora's box.
1: And I'm an editor, so I'm like, well, no, it's never... Yeah. I do my edit, and then I'm like, I could edit it again yeah. at infinitum. like, so like, yeah. As the originator of the writing, or the art, or the photography, like, whatever it is, how do you say... And now, there you, there, world.
0: Your guess is as good as mine. And I really don't have, like me personally, I, I'm going through that right now. I, I got into the writing community here in the Bay Area right after she died and met two extraordinary poets. Um, one is Holly Hardy and another one's Paul Corman Robertson. I learned a lot from them alongside like other writers and poets around them. And it's been amazing. But I had like 189 pages of a manuscript when I met them. Thinking, oh, I'm going to take this class from her. And I'm going to do some fine touches. And I'm going to publish this in six months. And No, I mean, I, I grew so much the last year
1: or year and a half as a
0: writer. I look at my, back to what we were talking about earlier, the photograph. And how you don't see changing. Like, I look at a poem I wrote now compared to something I wrote of that 189 pages of poetry, and I'm not going to submit that the way it is. I mean, I'm, I've grown so much. So that's what last year's sabbatical was about. It's basically done. I'm, I basically had two different manuscripts, and I made a decision to just... Cut things and leave it for later and present something at the end of the year for publication. And do you ever,
1: because you do a lot of poetry, do you ever take pieces uh, that you, you're not sure if they're finished and take them to the public and let that be the test? All the time. Yeah. And
0: I think I think that's...
1: There's there's a, uh, an, an analogy to, to music as well. Yeah. We're like maybe the band can't get it along and they don't decide. Like, oh, we've we've got something. Let's play it and see how people respond.
0: I love that you said that because it's something that I think about, but I don't hear a lot of people talking about. I think because everyone's afraid, everyone's got their kid gloves on. Not about each other, but about themselves. And, exactly. Um. One thing I'm enjoying about my writing life, it's like a trinity I'm going through right now. It's writing, it's drumming in bands, and it's teaching. And one thing that I'm really holding on to, like a life jacket, is uh, no ego. And yeah, go out there with something that you think is shit and read it. And not to get their feedback per se, although there's going to be those like Three or four people in the audience you trust, like Holly and Paul, I would absolutely go to them. Like, hey, what what do you think's going on here? You know, you do it for you, and you do it because usually in the doing it, you see what's wrong. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, and then I love to see how something that I'm making is like becoming a new thing. So then I got, it it like like DNA. It's just like splits and then I have what started off as one poem now I got two and now I gotta work on those two things and they end up going in directions I didn't even pick it's what keeps me out of depression like um, because I'm inclined to that and I think the only thing that keeps me happy is always answering to other people besides myself and that goes especially for my art and my writing you know and I learned that by working with the kids and watching so I I made a creative writing class at that school and made a whole curriculum for it and currently I'm not teaching it because I wasn't there last year to recruit it it's an elective but in the past I have and at the end of every year they publish anthologies of their own originally produced poetry and, and short stories and art, visual art and I watch what sharing their work does for them You know, and like, I watch them get over a lot of shit, Uh, not just wounds, but like, I watch, there's a new, I'm 41 now, we're all of an era where I think we're part of the end of something, and I'm teaching kids that are a part of something new coming in, and even when they go through a lot, there is a kind of entitlement happening by virtue of the social media stuff, and oh, I want to buy something, I can go on Amazon, I can get it in four seconds, and oh, I, I play sports so now I can just play my sports and I don't have to try in my class, and me battling the coach, like, no, like this is so much bigger than your stupid game, I want this kid to like try, you know, they're going through all these things where they're being told just take it, you know when they share art and when they share something that they're convinced they can't do, especially my my male boy, like my student male students, when they share it and see like how they've reached somebody or they co-write something with some girl in the in the class that
1: collaboration. they... collaboration. I
0: do a lot of collaboration work with the kids, and when they when it, they see that they can make something really amazing with someone that they look at, and she's scared of him, and she, and he looks at her like ugh and they see what they've done they start realizing like the ticket is the world doesn't revolve around you you know like and working together and working together and sharing and like being a part of something you know oh and they it's funny they hate me for it for about a month or so and then and then they love me for it you know uh, this didn't happen this this year is I'm still get I don't have that creative writing class but um, this happened my last creative writing year I do a whole uh, unit on ballots and how to write them so I had them listening to Dylan um, hurricane it's essentially a ballot if you read its structure and how he rhymed it you know and then they read about Reuben Hurricane Carter and um, they do like like extensive standard shit that I'm required to teach and then once I do that if they've earned it we watch the film about Reuben Hurricane Carter then we hear that song and then we listen to interviews of Dylan and why he did it which is one of the few things he would speak about that was around the time he didn't want to get interviewed anymore and um, watching it wasn't many but it was like two or three boys come to me in private and doing one of these hey who sang that like that was cool shit like who did that and i'm like that's bob dylan and then i have him on the wall so i'm like this guy and i'm like do you, do you want me to send you some and they're like and their grills are all shining they're like okay thanks and they're like all they're like private about it you know there's a mentor, mother figure in my life that taught right next door, hands down the best English teacher in San Francisco, debatably the nation, she was an extraordinary writing teacher. She's retired. We planned my sabbatical around her retirement because she didn't want me to leave before she did and I couldn't bear to be there without her and I learned a lot from her but she- we always make the joke that like she's going to go find Dylan and they were going to be together.
1: That was writer, drummer, and public school teacher, K.R. Morrison. Check back next week for a special episode of Storied San Francisco. We'll have Votik Joshi and David Brooks talking about what it means to be an artist in the city today. You won't want to miss this. Music for this podcast is by Otis McDonald, a.k.a. Joe Bigail. Film photography is by Michelle Kilfeather please remember to follow Storied San Francisco on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. All of season one and the first episodes of this season are up on our website, storiedsf.com. You can also find Storied SF hats, t-shirts, and koozies, which make really awesome gifts. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the show. If you have comments or suggestions, send them to storiedsf at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.